right. It's Vader time. Heidi ho, quarantinos. Happy Bummer Slam. Um, unfortunately, that Happy Bummer Slam was the very last happy thing that's going to happen in this episode. I, I'm not looking forward to this one, man. It's been a hard week. It's been a really hard week. I have some very bad news to start off the show. Howard Finkel, you remember Howard Finkel from our Legends House series, our sweet little butterball Howard Finkel passed away yesterday. Um, I told Leah, if you'll remember, Leah was on our uh, Macho Man Randy Savage Be a Man episode. I told her about it. She loves Legends House. And she said that Howard is in the eternal king seat. She can He can duke it out with Roddy as much as he wants now. And that's both comforting and sad. Um, I'm sad as fuck. Everyone is sad as fuck. He's the best announcer there ever was. And the sweetest guy. Everyone's going to miss him dearly. And on that happy note, let's go to the very, very happy subject of Chris Benoit and the two-part series Dark Side of the Ring just did about his life, death, and career. Um, I will say that the new season of Dark Side of the Ring is out now. You can watch both of the Chris Benoit episodes for free on YouTube. Highly, highly recommend. I do feel the need to give a content warning before beginning this show because it is sad and, quite frankly, awful. And there is murder and there's violence against women and children. So if you want to skip this one, I completely understand. I don't blame you. Just wanted to get that out of the way before we begin. Um, I am shocked that Dark Side of the Ring decided to tackle this episode at all. And I'm even more shocked that it was the first episode of the season. I mean, it, it's been, it has been almost 15 years since this happened. But to me, at least, and I feel like to a lot of other wrestling fans, it still feels like a fresh wound because it is so so controversial within the wrestling community but that being said I think this documentary Dark Side of the Ring did an excellent job of not only respectfully handling the situation but also getting accounts from the people who were there the people who know best and also dispelling so many common misconceptions surrounding this case as well as paying a wonderful tribute to Nancy and Daniel Benoit, as well as Eddie Guerrero. I love this episode. Really, after this, go put it on. Go put it on YouTube. It's very good. Get ready to cry. <laughs> oh my god, this is gonna be fucking terrible. Let's, let's just get into it. Right off the bat, there are huge names from the wrestling world being interviewed for this episode. We have Jim Ross, we have Chris Jericho... Dean Malenko, who wrestled for WCW, he was a huge star for them. Chavo Guerrero, the nephew of Eddie Guerrero, the legendary Guerrero family. And Vicky Guerrero, his wife, Eddie Guerrero's wife, that is. Um, this episode starts with an interview from David Benoit, who is Chris, Chris Benoit's oldest son from a previous marriage. When I saw David Benoit, I gasped because he looks exactly like his father, but blonde instead of dark haired. Um, David seems like a very nice person. He's a bit shy, but pretty forthcoming with talking about this sort of thing. And he has very, very fond memories of his father and commends him on his work ethic and drive and general passion for wrestling. And it's clear that his image of his father is based more on his memories rather than what happened later, which totally makes sense. I mean, how the fuck do you cope with something like that? 
Um, but throughout both of these episodes, David speaks very, very highly of his father. Um, and Chris Jericho, I've talked a little bit about Chris Jericho and how much I hated him when I was a kid. Um, he echoes this sentiment from David, talks about his time working with Chris in Japan and how if he did something that wasn't good enough in his eyes, like if he if he like somehow exposed the business, as he would say, he would punish himself. There was a part where where Chris was talking about finding Chris Benoit in the dressing room, just like doing a hundred squats or something like that because he like fucked up a finish or something. I don't know. It would like something that didn't even matter. He was really hard on himself and he took the business really, really seriously. Um, going back to Chris Jericho, Chris Jericho is very matter of fact and no bullshit throughout his interview segments on this episode. He's, he's not really like sulky about any of it. He's not hyping Benoit up as the greatest wrestler of all time. Like so many people in the business do. He's more like my friend killed his family and this is how we all dealt with it. His, his contributions to this episode were excellent. He was also a narrator, um, yeah, love Chris Jericho, love what he has done for this episode. Moving on, it is pretty much impossible to talk about the story of Chris Benoit without also talking about Eddie Guerrero. Eddie Guerrero is one of my personal top five favorite wrestlers ever of all time. He was my absolute favorite when I was a kid. I loved him, loved Latino Heat, loved everything he did. Fantastic high-flying wrestler, master of the Mexican style, and just, like, the most likable character and person. He had such charisma, such a well-rounded performer. I miss him a lot. And um, Chris Benoit and Eddie Guerrero, they worked together in Japan, and apparently they didn't like each other when they first met, but the more they worked with each other and the more they, like, spent time together, the more they got along. Because they had such similar views of the business, as well as a strong drive work ethic and desire to be the best. Chris and Eddie shared that sentiment. And the people being interviewed throughout this episode, they often talked about how Chris and Eddie were extremely close friends. Some even saying that it was the realest, most loving friendship that they had ever seen, period. You really can't overstate how close Chris and Eddie were as friends. Um, the next to be interviewed is Nancy Benoit's sister, Sandra Toffoloni, and she is wearing earrings that Nancy Benoit wore on Monday Night Nitro as woman because she said she wanted to wear something her sister thought would look good on camera. That is so cute. I love that. Um, Sandra, I love Sandra. She's clearly a big wrestling fan, and she's no bullshit herself, just like Chris Jericho. Sandra and Chris Jericho are exactly the same. Um, she's very straightforward in the way she talks about her sister and the wrestling business as a whole. I really loved her contribution to this episode. Um, she talks a little bit about Nancy and Nancy's life. Nancy Benoit got married very early in her life to a wrestler. She was spotted at one of his shows. She was just like in the audience by a promoter and that was it. She was in the business. Um, and early in her career, she met Kevin Sullivan. We've talked vaguely about Kevin Sullivan on this show and those two fell in love. Nancy divorced her first husband and became Kevin Sullivan's second, his valet, and her name was the Fallen Angel. And her thing was she was like possessed by a demon or something and she was controlled by Kevin Sullivan. She was like his slave. Um 
I would like to take a minute to just to just gush about Nancy Benoit and what good fortune it was that she ended up in this business because she was excellent at her job. Absolutely fantastic. In my eyes, she's on the same level, excuse me, she's on the same level as Miss Elizabeth, but as a as a completely different character type than Miss Elizabeth, you know, Elizabeth was more like the demure, kind of classy, ingenue type, whereas the fallen angel and her later character woman was more like the femme fatale. She was so good at getting heat. Nancy was, ta- or not Nancy, Sandra was talking about this in her vin- her interview. She said Nancy was so good at getting heat that people would come up to her while she was like pumping gas and be like, I'm praying for you. <laughs> and she was like, cool, <laughs> this is working. They buy it. Um, and Nancy and Kevin Sullivan, they eventually went to WCW, which was huge for both of their careers. And Chris Benoit, Dean Malenko, and Eddie Guerrero were all wrestling for WCW. And Nancy, during this big transitional period, changed her character from Fallen Angel to the character that she is best known for, Woman. Uh, Kevin Sullivan was a booker at the time for WCW, and he apparently really, really loved working with Chris Benoit, and thought that it would be a good idea to book Nancy, his partner, in with them as part of a love triangle. And Sandra, Nancy's sister, she said that Kevin basically booked his own divorce. Um, And he did. She's absolutely right. Chris and Nancy, during this, like, heel turn, this love triangle thing, they unexpectedly fell in love in real life. And as things progressed in her relationship with Chris, things started to get violent in her relationship with Kevin Sullivan. Um, Dean Malenko's wife is interviewed for the show and she's apparently a therapist and she tried to help get Nancy out of this abusive situation but what it really took was Chris to get her out of that relationship entirely um Sandra tells this story during Bash at the Beach one year Chris and Kevin were booked to book to fight you know and Chris actually hurt Kevin during their match and to the point that it the fight continued backstage and Sandra said she remembers having to choose to leave the venue with Kevin Sullivan or Chris Benoit and she chose Chris at the advice of Nancy she was like Sandra don't you dare get in that car with Kevin and Nancy was beat up pretty bad and when they got home Nancy told Sandra that her injuries were from Kevin Kevin had beat her up and Chris had finally helped her leave and that was that I should mention that Kevin Kevin Sullivan was approached for comment. I'm not sure if he was asked to be interviewed for the show or not, but he denies all allegations of abuse. He says that he was never abusive to Nancy. What the fuck ever. Sandra said that Nancy was more in love with Chris than she had been with anyone else in her life. He was the love of her life and that was that. And she left the wrestling business to keep their home and start a family. And their son, Daniel, was born shortly before they got married. He was the best man at their wedding. And David Benoit, Chris's son, says that Nancy never, ever treated her like a stepson. They were just family. They, they, didn't, use the, they didn't use the term step family. They were just family. And he loved Daniel in particular. He said that they wanted to become tag team champions when they were kids, which makes me really sad. Now is the first part where I cry on my show. There will be many more, trust me. Um, meanwhile, 
Chris, Dean, and Eddie, these three amazing wrestlers, they're not getting the attention that they need from WCW because they're all considered too small, which is so fucking stupid. They're fabulous wrestlers, all three of these guys. Um, and so they jumped ship. They left WCW for WWE. And Chris and Eddie in particular got huge pushes and became two of the biggest stars in the company. When I was a kid watching wrestling for the first time, these were the two top guys in the company. I remember them very, very well. Um, Chris is said to have been very much a family man, but he was very dedicated to wrestling. He was very loyal to the business and he never asked for days off, ever. And in turn, he ended up missing a lot of, like, major holidays and events and other things at home, which is, like, like that's pretty common for all wrestlers. They work between 300 and 350 days a year. That's so fucked up, man. We'll talk, we'll talk more about that in the future. But Chris just straight up never asked for days off. He was always so dedicated to the business that's where he always wanted to be and was never home for his family and we move on in the interview process to chavi and vicky guerrero chavi chavo and vicky guerrero and they talk about how eddie guerrero was very religious he had a very close relationship to god and he would often read bible scriptures to the other wrestlers in the locker room and chris benoit wasn't religious like at all but he started to become interested in religion because of how close he was with Eddie and how passionate Eddie was about his faith. He thought, well, you know, my best friend is into this. Maybe it can do something for my life as well. And Nancy was really supportive of this, of his faith and of their friendship in general. And she said it seemed like a really good thing for him to have this relationship and to have this new relationship with God. Um, Eddie Guerrero had substance abuse issues due to a lot of injuries he was taking a lot of painkiller painkillers and whatnot wrestlers are not expected to ask for time off because if you're gone for six months to you know recover from an injury you will lose your heat and your spot on the card you're not going to be the top guy if you're gone for six months that's just the way it is and this was not uncommon at the time substance abuse and drinking were a huge part of the culture of professional wrestling in general for this reason and a lot of wrestlers during this time period died prematurely because of this we will talk about that a little bit more shortly um eddie's issues got to be so bad that vicky his wife left him and he eventually lost his job with the company he went to rehab he lost fucking everything and eventually was able to change his life for the better he got clean he got his wife back he got his career back this was the best time in Eddie Guerrero's life and career. Um, we move on to talk about WrestleMania 20. I love WrestleMania 20. WrestleMania 20 is so special. I remember watching it live and it was so exciting because two these two guys who you knew were best friends in real life won the big belts of the night and it was so emotional. After both of their matches, you know, after Chris got the belt, Eddie came out with his belt and they just stood together in the ring and hugged. It was very emotional. One of my favorite WrestleManias of all time that is unfortunately soiled due to the events of the future. Chris's son David said that this match was his favorite match of all time. 
and he wishes that both Chris and Eddie had just retired right after that, and I completely agree with him. There was absolutely no hire that the these two guys could have gone, and considering what happened afterwards, it would have just been the correct ending to their careers. We move on to Chavo Guerrero. Chavo talks about how he was at a hotel with Eddie, getting ready for, you know, a live event, and Eddie kept passing out. He just kept, like, falling asleep randomly. And he said that was weird. And the two of them went their separate ways, and Chavo got a call from the front desk that morning that something was wrong with Eddie. And they went up to the room, cut the latch off the door to Eddie's room, and he was on the floor of the bathroom in really bad shape. And Chavo talks about how he basically died in Chavo's arms. Um, the verdict was heart disease after years of drug abuse, but he was only 38. That fucking sucks. Um, big respect to Chavo for ripping open this wound and sharing this story with us because it's clearly very painful for him to talk about, and that's so brave. Um, Chavo got a call from Chris, like, right after. Like, where's Eddie? What are, what are we doing? Where's Eddie? And he had to break the news. And Chavo said Chris just started screaming. The entire wrestling world was fucking devastated that Eddie Guerrero died. Devastated. I cannot stress this enough. It was, it was horrible. And it was, it was so bad that it was a huge part of many, many storylines throughout the WWE for a while afterwards. I can't remember what the term is. I think it's like Eddie fishing or something. It happens so much that there's a fucking term for it. But it was like a way to get cheap pops from the fans is to mention Eddie Guerrero because he was so beloved and so popular and everyone is so devastated that he's not with us anymore. Um arguably no one was more devastated about Eddie's passing than Chris Benoit they were best friends they were very very close other wrestlers and people close to him said that he became a completely different person after Eddie's death and some people even said he behaved like a grieving spouse um he completely changed after this he became like a hermit almost and closed himself off from everyone and Chris Jericho said it was basically the lowest point in his life but he still wouldn't take time off from wrestling, even though he absolutely should have. And Vicky Guerrero, Eddie's widow, said that after Eddie died, she was a mess. And Nancy was so ready to help. She took the kids to school, got Vicky out of bed, and just helped, helped her carry on with her life after Eddie. She was such a good friend. And Vicky said that she and Chris stayed with her for a month. And Vicky would often walk in on Chris in Eddie's old gym, just sobbing and saying how much he missed him. She said it broke her heart. Sandra said that Chris started getting paranoid at around this time. He would wear disguises and take like really convoluted routes to the gym and other places because he was worried he was being followed. And Nancy said that he was irritable. And she felt like she was walking on eggshells around him because he was not the same person that she fell in love with. She wanted him to quit wrestling because it was clearly not good for him being in the same environment that reminded him so much of Eddie with his deteriorating mental state. She was really worried about him, more worried about him than herself. And uh, Chavo was driving... Oh my god, okay. Okay. <laughs> Chavo was driving to... 
what would be Chris Benoit's last pay-per-view event. And he got a call from Chris saying that Nancy and Daniel, their son, had food poisoning and he was going to be late to the venue. And he ended the call by saying, Chavo, I love you. And Chavo said that was weird. It was really weird. At 5.30 in the morning, Chavo got a text from Chris that the dogs were in the garage and the door was unlocked. And then got the same text two minutes later from Nancy's phone. They get to the venue, still no sign of Chris. People started getting concerned and WWE sent a welfare check to Chris Benoit's house. That's the end of part one. Part two starts where we left off with the, we with the welfare check. The police had a neighbor jump the fence. You know, she had dog sat for them several times, so she knew where the key was and everything. She jumped the fence to unlock the front door, and she came out screaming that Daniel was dead. I'm not going to talk about how they all died because I don't want to. That's not the way I believe Nancy and Daniel should be remembered. What happened was Chris killed Nancy and Daniel and then himself. And in my opinion, he effectively sealed his legacy as a murderer and a complete piece of trash. That's all I'm going to say about the murderers themselves. Chris did leave a suicide note. This was absolutely premeditated and the murders were brutal and awful and I will not hear anything else about it. That's all I'm going to say. We're moving on. The people in WWE, the people working there, the higher-ups, they, they didn't have answers. They just knew that Chris, Nancy, and Daniel had all died. They didn't know any of the specifics about what happened. They just knew that something happened and all of them were dead. And they couldn't go on air for, I believe it was Raw that night, and not do anything about it. Um, I remember I was watching wrestling when this all happened. I remember there was a storyline going on where Vince McMahon had been like murdered in a car explosion, but after learning of of Chris and his family's deaths, he opted to hold a show with no audience. Um, it was like a tribute show to Chris's life and legacy instead of that particular Raw. And pretty much everybody on the roster was interviewed to like talk about Chris, say nice things about Chris, and they had a package of Chris's greatest hits, so to speak. This is not their fault. They they didn't know the details or the specifics, and they they were just doing what they thought was right at the time. Um, this little package you cannot find anymore on the WWE Network. It is, it is gone forever, but you can find it on YouTube. It is extremely hard to watch because everyone is talking about how amazing and talented he was. And at one point, Chavo says he would trust Chris with his kids' lives. That is so awful. I can't imagine how he must feel about that now. That, oh God, that fucking sucks. And meanwhile, while all this is happening, Sandra had taken herself on a date at Nancy's advice. She went to a movie, and when she got out of the movie, she had 22 missed calls from her parents. That's how she found out she lost her sister. That's horrible. And after the show, this Raw, I believe it was a Raw, the, the details started surfacing. And of course, everyone was appalled and devastated and had no idea what to do. Um, and I think Chris Jericho said it best in his little interview where he said he was my friend. Nobody expects their friend to kill their family. What the fuck are you supposed to do? Um, but Vince McMahon did take action and he made a statement saying that Chris Benoit would no longer be mentioned on WWE programming. And 
WWE has gone to great lengths to make sure his legacy is not associated with the WWE as a whole. He doesn't show up in their, you know, superstars. If you search him, if you search him, you just get a few, a handful of matches here and there. Um, yeah, that's that. That's how it is now. Um, Jim Ross went to Chris Benoit's wake as a representative from the WWE, and he was met very coldly by both families, both Nancy and Chris's families. Sandra straight up walked up to him and told him he was not welcome there. And honestly, I can't say I blame her. Even though Jim Ross's intentions may have been pure, I think it was in bad taste for him to be there. Um, and Sandra said after the fact, not a single person in the WWE offered help or even condolences. And David said the only people who were there for him were Chris Jericho and Chavo Guerrero, and everyone else pretended like he didn't exist. David said his life was hell afterwards. The media was fucking insane. I remember watching this as it happened, and there was something new about it every, every hour, it seemed like. And they wouldn't leave David alone, and he said it was the worst time of his life. Um, for all the faults that the media attributed to this case, I will, I will say that they did in fact point out a lot of issues with the wrestling business as a whole. Wrestlers are 20 times more likely to die before age 45 than professional football players, and that is something that cannot be ignored. That is a huge, huge deal. The media's initial response was that Chris was probably affected by roid rage. Chris Benoit used steroids. I hate to break it to you all, but most wrestlers have used steroids. It's, it was part of the culture of the time. It has happened. You're going to have to deal with it. And Nancy voiced her concerns to Chris and others about Chris's steroid use and how she felt like it was turning him into this different person. And WWE's wellness policy at the time was an absolute fucking joke. And despite obviously using steroids, he had been using steroids since he was a teenager. Chris Benoit passed multiple drug tests through the WWE wellness program. And despite this, the WWE and Vince McMahon were adamant that steroids had nothing to do with Chris's mental state and the murders. Chris's autopsy said he had 10 times the, the normal amount of testosterone present in the average human body. He was taking steroids. He was abusing them heavily. That is something that cannot be stressed. Chris was abusive in his relationship, and it became volatile with Nancy in the final, final years of their relationship. She told multiple people what was happening. But nothing was done. It got to the point where she actually got a restraining order against him. I, I'm mad as fuck about this. This happens too often. This happens all the time. This happens more than any of us would care to admit. Women are dying because of domestic violence. If someone, anyone would have stood by Nancy and taken her and Daniel out of that situation, their lives would have been spared. And that's the truth. Ugh. This is horrible. Nothing good happens in this episode except for the very, very ending. Okay, Chris Nowinski is next to be interviewed. I watched him wrestle live when I was a child. He was a former WWE superstar, and now he's a neuroscientist, which is such a hard turn, but like, wow. Um, his WWE career ended because of a series of 
concussions. And he's since dedicated his life to CTE research. Um, if you're not familiar with CTE, CTE is this, it's like a chronic degenerative brain disease. And it seems to be caused by repeated hits to the head. Um, it should be noted that people who suffer from CTE often commit suicide. And Chris Nowinski, you know, as soon as he heard about this, he immediately drew parallels between Chris Benoit's case and those of other people with CTE. And it should also be noted that one of Chris Benoit's signature moves was the flying headbutt. I'm sure you can imagine what that is. Chris Nowinski contacted Chris Benoit's family to do tests on his brain. And they did all the tests and they found that Chris Benoit had an extremely severe case of CTE. I've heard some reports that say he essentially had the brain of an 80-year-old Alzheimer patient. His brain literally started to rot and likely changed who he was as a person. To talk a little bit about the idea of chair shots to the head and how commonplace they were, particularly, particularly in the 90s and early 2000s. And when I say chair shots, I mean legitimate, no punches pulled, full-on chair shots right to the fucking head. Um, it was just something that everybody did. You just kind of grit your teeth and got through it. It was something that everyone was expected to do. And Chavo Guerrero mentioned that, that it's impossible that every wrestler doesn't have at least some CTE. He talks about, he wonders how much he has. Can't imagine that. Fuck. Um, I would like to say that the WWE did, in fact, change their drug policies to be much stricter after this happened. Chris Jericho said that they weren't even allowed to take some prescription strength aspirins. That's how serious they were about it. And unprotected chair shots to the head have also been banned entirely. That that's done. That we'll probably never see that again. And it's nice to see these protective measures being taken to protect the people we love and the business we love, but I also can't help but think it's too little too late at this point, especially after this tragedy in particular. The professional wrestling industry has all but erased Chris Benoit's existence. He, he completely lost the respect of his peers, his family, and many, many wrestling fans. And what he did destroyed his legacy in this one thing that he claimed to love so much, which was wrestling. And that was his choice. And that's how he's going to be remembered. David Benoit, his life was effectively ruined. Um, I would say he's a victim as much as anyone else and is somehow blamed by people for what his father did. That's so fucking dumb. He was a, he was like 13 when this happened. Sandra, Nancy's sister Sandra, was told that David wanted nothing to do with her. And David was told that Sandra wanted nothing to do with him. Neither of those were true. They both wanted to be in each other's lives, but they were just told different things. And Chris Jericho, who was a producer on this particular episode, um, orchestrated the two of them to meet for the first time in 13 years and this episode ends with Sandra and da David together again as a family and they still go to wrestling shows together. 
Joe Bob's not here to take the heat off me when I cry, so I'm just gonna have to talk through it. I'm so glad they have each other. And I'm so glad that their story has at least a little bit of a silver lining after all of this bullshit. They can still be a family. On that very happy note, I'm going to end this by saying that Chris Benoit was a fantastic technical wrestler, which seems so trivial given the circumstances of what he did. I saw something on Facebook the other day. It was a picture of the British Bulldog, Chris Benoit, and Brian Pillman. And someone in the comments said, Bulldog and Benoit were two of the greatest of all time. Not gonna praise Brian Pillman just because he's dead. Not gonna praise Brian Pillman just because he's dead, but you'll praise a literal murderer in the same sentence? Ridiculous. I remember when all of this happened and the news reports were all talking about how he was such an amazing wrestler and it was so shocking that he could have done this basically sweeping the real tragedy under the rug which was of course the loss of this amazing woman who was a pioneering legend and her child this this opinion that so many so many wrestling fans seem to have reminds me so much of the Brock Turner case and how the media always wanted to mention that he was a star athlete that's not what this is about. Brock Turner is a rapist. Chris Benoit is an abuser and a murderer. His talents, obviously they're undeniable, but his actions trump those accomplishments. Chris Benoit is not the person we should be martyring and remembering after all these years. It's Nancy. It's woman. It's fallen angel. She's a pioneer. She's a legend. She belongs in the Hall of Fame but I don't think she'll ever get there because of the circumstances surrounding her death and the WWE's near-complete erasure of Chris Benoit. And I believe, I believe that that is the real tragedy here. That someone who is so influential to our business, someone who can be looked up to as such a strong role model, will never get her time in the sun because of something that is completely not her fault. So... This episode's dedicated to our fallen angel, Nancy Benoit. <laughs> this episode is horrible. I'm done talking about this. Oh my god. I didn't think I would get so emotional <laughs> on this show. But I did. I'm sorry if you hate the way my voice sounds when I cry. I also hate the way my voice sounds when I cry. So I will, I will try to not do it <laughs> anymore in the upcoming episodes. I pinky- pinky promise that next week's episode is going to be fun. I believe I'm going to be talking with our good good friend Isaac Otterman about Piledriver, the wrestling album 2 should be <laughs> a much happier happier and more um, I don't even fucking know I'm a complete mess, I'm sorry well before I make even more of a complete idiot of myself I'm going to end this episode Watch Dark Side of the Ring if you can. Cry along with me to this episode. Like and subscribe. All that good shit. Until next week, you guys. Wrestling's real. People are fake. Whatever it takes.